then you overthink. I'm using quotations here with my fingers. Mm-hmm. Overthink, <laughs> which overthinking isn't possible. You just don't know the answer, so you're thinking a lot. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I've got my partner in crime, our other co-host, Mr. Matt Cermak, with me. What's up, Ev? How we, we doing? just had Colin Mar- I almost said Morikawa. Colin McCarthy on the show. He's, I'm sure you've probably seen him on Instagram, 80,000 plus followers. Really a great mind in the golf yeah. coaching space. Just like mind-blowing quotes, a lot of stuff. We'll get to that in a second. But in case you're new, or if you're returning, welcome. Welcome aboard. If your golf game's off the rails and you're sick or out of the struggle bus, you've come to the right place. The part train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. The part train podcast unpacks the mental game with PJ Torpos, best-selling author, CEO, sports psychologist, golf coaches like Colin McCarthy today, everyday golfers like you and me and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. This episode of the part train is presented by Roback Activewear and Serm. I don't know if you saw, but they've got a handyman polo. They've got a yes. lawnmower polo. Yes. They've got a grill out polo. It's like built for Father's Day. Beverage cart polo. Beverage cart polo. I'm telling you guys, what better gift to give dad than a new polo that he can wear uh, around the house? He can wear socially. He can wear on the course. 100%. I would say go to rowback.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off and make dad happy. Or if you're a dad, tell people to get it for you. Give them the code train. Tell them to get you one of these dad polos. Tell your kids. I want Give it to your kids. Tell your kids, hop aboard the par train. Get me the polo. Enter the the code train. train. (laughs) Get get yourself a dad polo. Okay. Thank you to Roback. The, The polos, it's that time of year. Get yourself a new polo. They're the best. I just had my buddy, Sam, who just moved to New York City. He goes, I literally, the only thing I can wear in New York City, I don't know if you saw this on our story. I saw it. Is rowback polos because it's so hot. It's the only thing that keeps me cool is a rowback polo. So rowback.com. great is that? Enter the code train. Get yourself 15% off. Okay. Colin McCarthy. What an episode. I mean, this will, this could make your mind spin, but it's also going to, could blow your mind in the same token. There's things like overthinking is impossible. Golf isn't about consistency. Patient practice breeds progress. There's a lot of things. This is more, I think, physical than we have done in a while. Uh, we, we bring it all together with the mental side of physical and your golf swing and how to practice and how to hit shots. But Colin really challenges the status quo of how to think about your golf swing. What, what stood out for you, sir? Yeah, I know. It was a really, really great conversation. We could probably talk for five hours. Talk about a guy who's so passionate, so knowledgeable about the swing, about the biomechanics, about uh, club fitting. I mean, he, he really understands all the details of the physical side of the game, but, but the mental side too. And I love the conversation. I think you guys will too about practice, yeah. you know, about simulating, you know, tournament style practice into your routine. Um, some strategies behind that. We get deep into short game, really how to think about using different clubs. I know we always hear that. I hear I think people hear, well, use an eight iron here, use a wedge there, but he actually talks about, you know, the strategies behind that. I think we'll definitely have him back, talk maybe a little more mental, but um, definitely, you know, one of the top coaches out there for a reason. Yeah. Um, so no, Ev, I, I was, I was fired up. 
after yeah. uh, after this one ended. So yeah, there was really to your point from putting to chipping to full swing to creativity to I mean we really covered all of it. Well, so. yeah, and even like warming up on the like how he t- teaches his students how to warm up, and it's like the most interesting and wild things. Maybe some of you you know have heard, and it's so stay stay in this episode. Yeah, really good. Stay to the end. Um, and if you have thoughts or questions, uh, you can follow at Colin McCarthy golf on Instagram and also follow us at the par train, send us messages, tell us what you think about this episode. And, uh, if we've added any value and we're starting to have you play better golf, having you enjoy the ride, give us an Apple podcast review. Uh, it means the world It helps other people get inspired to hop yeah. aboard as well. And, uh, no matter how much they're getting deep on their swing or how much lack of belief they have in their game. What's the way for our listeners to get back to neutral, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. Colin McCarthy, it is my pleasure to welcome you aboard the part train. You're in your car, but you're also on the train. Mind blow? Maybe. I don't know, but we're excited to have (laughs) you. It's all about it's all about transportation. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're pumped to have you. Uh, We've been following you on Instagram for a while, and we're glad that we could finally get this together. Um, Colin, I there's a lot of different ways we could start, but I thought it'd be most interesting. We did a poll on our Instagram this week, and we asked uh, what percentage is mental, what part of the game is mental, and what part of the game is physical. I think we reposted it from Mike Barry, who said 90% mental. 10% 10% physical. And we asked what people's thoughts were. And the, I'd say I saw quite a few responses that said the same thing. They said roughly, uh, if you're good, the mental game is, they would agree more than 80, 90%. If you're not good, it's 80 or 90% physical. Now you coach all levels. You've talked about the importance of the mind and the impact it has on the swing. Uh, what is your response? My response might be different than most, but uh, everything's 100% mental and 100% physical. You can't, you can't break off. You can't quantify um, movements and mentals. You, you, have to, you have to learn quality. And once you learn quality and you learn clarity, then your mental starts to mess with your physical. But you have to understand that you can't just quantify in a percentage, oh, oh the other 10% is because I did this. It's kind of like being passive aggressive with yourself. So, and a lot of people have a tendency to do that. So it, golf is a hundred percent mental and a hundred percent physical. You have to know exactly what to do and you got to know exactly what club you want to use. It's like chess. A lot of people play golf. Like it's like checkers. You got one chip, one swing, a full swing, whatever that even means. I don't know. And then, it, then they don't know how to hit from 40 to 80 yards because they're too busy swinging big and don't know what it is to feel that intrinsic feeling. And it's, it's, it's just kind of interesting. So, yeah, I like that answer, Colin. Would you say you give it the 100-100 because golf is not a reactionary sport? like basketball or like football, because there's obviously mental and physical in those sports and every sport, but I think that that the key difference. Yeah. It's in any sport you play, it's a hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's about attitude. It's about, um, you bringing yourself a hundred percent all the time. 
imagine being in a relationship, right? If, if two people are 50-50, then the relationship's not going to last. It's a relationship with yourself. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. why when you go play with somebody, you can tell a lot about them by how they play. Because mm-hmm. how you handle your own self, it's kind of funny. It's interesting. What you just said, Colin, makes me think commitment. I think what you're saying is you got to have commitment on both sides, right? Because yep. if you're, whether it's, whether it's mental or physical, because if you don't know what you're doing physically, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to commit mentally and vice versa. Yep. Then you, then you, then you overthink. I'm using quotations here with my fingers, overthink, <laughs> which overthinking isn't possible. You just don't know the answer. So you're thinking a lot. He was like, oh, I overthought that. I was like, no, you're making an excuse for yourself. <laughs> you, don't know <laughs> what you're doing. you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. right. and, and that's the biggest issue too. There's, there's, there's a lot of issues with some people. Um, and I, I wouldn't really characterize it as an issue, characterize it as a weakness. And, and I think a lot of the times people are like, oh, there, I just have a problem with my swing. I was like, no, you just have a weakness in that area. You need to get stronger. Yeah. Well, or, or I suck or I'm trash. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> you just don't understand yet. Yeah. Love that. Uh, Colin, I've got to ask you about you swinging the club righty and putting lefty. Mm. Uh, I've only have one friend I've ever played with that did this. Uh, I think Blaine McAllister on the tour in the 80s and 90s did this. But how did this come about? Um, and wh- why do you continue to, to, to play that way? I think it's fascinating. Um, Sure the results I are, since I was a, since I was yeah. a little kid, I, I used my righty grip and putt lefty. Um, it was always comfortable for me. Um, I write with my left hand, so in essence, the touch with my left hand might be a little bit more, um, I would say, guiding than my right hand. You don't want to see me pro right handed; it's not not good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, I can still do it. It just it's very uncomfortable. Because of my left eye, I can't see anything. It's like when I set up to the ball, I like walking from behind it and setting up to it instead of like circling around it and then not looking. Because that's if you're left eye dominant, it's really hard for someone to walk up right behind the ball and actually play righty. When I walk up to the ball with my clubs, I don't walk right up to it from behind. I have to get behind it and then I got to walk diagonally to it. And then I don't look after, because yeah. if I look, it's going to mess with my telemetry and my whole body just, just can't, it can't simulate anything of what I'm doing. It doesn't mm-hmm. understand at all. Can't do it. I learned it feels like I'm, as a kid, but got switched to righty. And it's an interesting conversation. Then you talk about what I dominant you are. And mm-hmm. some people don't know where, what I don't they even are, know. I don't even know what be. I am. Yeah. You just do a diamond test. You, you can make a diamond, put it out in front of you, like way out. and then. Um, you close one eye, open the other one and then do vice versa. Whatever one is further outside the, outside that, that viewpoint, you're, the object that you're looking for, like centered in between that diamond, that's, that's the worst eye. Well, this is good timing, Colin, because last week's episode, Serm and I went deep on our latest aha moments in our games and little tweaks that have made big changes. For our games, because we always use our game as a case study, you know, for what we talk about in the show and for our audience. And one of the biggest aha moments for me was 
increasing my level of understanding and knowledge of what I do and why I do it. I don't know if you know Jake Thurm, um, who coaches on tour, but we've had him on the show and he's helped me with my game. And, and through that work, he has done an amazing job of giving me bite-sized pieces, very step-by-step of only focusing on things that I can understand in that moment. We work on it. Mm-hmm. We progress. And you said, quote, understanding Trump's any experience or historic events of this humbling game. And so I think that's kind of building on our first question, right? Of 100%, 100%. Maybe talk about the importance of your students and even for you with your game, under, the power of understanding and how the understanding has to come before the commitment. Um, you got to understand first how your body moves. Everyone's body is going to move differently. It's predisposed to what you've done your whole life. Like, like say, for instance, we have a sprinter really fast. Um, that's going to just tell me instantly that people who are faster usually have their feet ducked in more because they're trying to push with their hamstrings. They're trying to push with their, with their uh, inner cab muscles. So it's going to move them faster forward. And so if you move fast forward, that's not very good for golf because you need to squat and swing left. I mean, if you move towards a golf ball when you're swinging and that's your action, you'll stand up when you hit the ball. That's why people stand up because they're using their hamstrings as actionary movements. And that's what makes them stand up so quickly. So if you can understand why your body moves a certain way as an action, you can change that consciously. And then your subconscious goes, oh, then you understand you have clarity. But if you don't have any clarity and you're just doing drills over and over and over and over again, they're not going to help that much. They are, drills, most drills only help people that already know their golf swing pretty well. Mm. So people are like, give me a drill. I'm like, I don't know anything about you. I'm not going to give you anything because I don't know anything about you. That drill could hurt you. I don't know. Yeah. That's why that's I a, refuse to. Point. I, well, it's I, kinda... really, I refuse to, to give people drills that I don't know who they are and what their swing even looks like. I, yeah, it kind of goes with the point we talked about last week, Serm, where I always saw my club rolling inside and I used to try and fix my club rolling inside. And then Jake helped me understand that it's because I'm standing up and my shoulders are parallel at the top. So there's nowhere else for my club to go than inside. So focusing on keeping my left shoulder lower or down was a really great way for me to take care of my path without necessarily even thinking about it. Yeah, and to answer your question, I do know Jake, yeah. I yeah. met him, uh, I played with him at uh, the Top 100 Summit when we were on the cradle. That's cool, dude. Oh, sweet, yeah. So maybe that's why, that kind of goes into why you start lessons with seeing your golfer throw, skip, and jump. Is that with every person? Uh, yeah, I, I have several questions I ask. I, I, well, I kind of already know what their swing looks like when they walk up to me anyway. Um, it freaks them out. It's kind of funny. Um, just by the way they walk. But I, yeah. By the way they walk, how their body moves, how their feet are like either kind of clumsy kind of behind them, or are they really aware of where they're walking? Um, it tells me a lot about how they're going to golf swing and how they're going to putting stroke. Mm. Cause usually people with weaker feet putt better because they're more grounded. And then you do a lot of we've seen chipping work to get things started. I mean, I think it's 
makes sense. Because mm-hmm, the, chip, the two inch, yeah. yeah, a chip should be a small swing, but people don't know how to move the club head, so they move the whole club, have their weight left, and then they struggle with their pitches and their shots from inside 100 yards. Because people who putt chip will always struggle, and I mean always struggle, between 40 and 80 yards because the body has a hard time getting a vertical that quickly when the weight's all left. If you put your weight left and you expose the bounce, it's not going to go very far. That's what the whole point of like using bounce and doing a putt chip is. If you make that any bigger, then it gets inside your head, you get the yips because you're, you're getting your timing all at the wrong time. Right. And it's, I wouldn't say wrong. I say inefficient. Can't say right or wrong. Um, but the, the whole aspect here is, is knowing what your body does before you do anything, where the strengths are in your body and where your weaknesses are. That's why swings look the way they do because people's actions based on their bone structure and their muscle masses shows how it's the muscles don't have muscles don't have memory. They only have a strength or a weakness. That's all they have. You can change that based upon what you understand about you and your clarity of what concept you're trying to understand. I was most excited to ask this clearly because we're a mental game podcast, but you say the, the mind shapes the swing. We've talked about it a little bit, but Mm. discussing how you see your swing is important because we know feel isn't real, isn't always real, but talk about that of how, Sermon, I see our swings, why that's so important and how the mind-body connection is. Okay, well, um, I'll talk by just by saying why feel isn't real. Feel isn't real because um, in Newton's third law states for every action equals an opposite and equal reaction. So imagine like A plus B equals C. Well, you got to reverse that because it's reverse engineered. Every action, there's two things that happen after. That's where people get really confused. And once I figured that out, then I know that the golf swing is an action and that is going to be results. Well, there's a big thing in golf right now, has been for decades, is using video. When you watch video, video isn't real either. Okay. And the people have a hard time understanding this, but I would say some people, most people are like, oh, that makes sense. Feel isn't real because it's the opposite reaction you feel. That's person to person to person that's going to be different because everybody's different. Now, the equal reaction is what you see in a video. So your swing as a reaction. So what people are trying to do is they're trying to repeat other tour player swings. So it's a double entendre. You can't repeat a reaction. You can only repeat the action. That's why it doesn't look the same. The result's not the same because when you look at that actual result, that data, which is also reaction, data is reactionary. You can't, sw- like, say, for instance, you see a positive attack angle for a tour player, right? So what do people do? They swing up on purpose, which causes the face to open, and then they hit a slice. That's a sheer example of using data incorrectly. Mm. It well, just doesn't make sense. Well, I think... That really gets into, I've heard you talk about, I think it was your term, uh, shot in the dark content and, mm. and you, yep. YouTube, right? Because, you know, I mean, I played in college 
but I, I'm a good, I'm a good player. I didn't, you know, but I fall into anybody falls into this trap. Like I see something I like and I connect with, and I know something like an area I'm struggling with. I shadow swing it. I pull, I pull out a club. I do it. Oh, wow. Look at that position. I'm in. That makes sense. And then I take it, try to actually take it to the course, the range. And I, I need somebody there to help me. When you do a drill on the range and you try and bring it to the course, not every shot is the same, <laughs> but it is on the range because the range, you have usually a perfect lie, usually a, a, um, a perfect stance setup, and there's no slopes. I would hope not. Otherwise, you're going to hurt yourself. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of ranges, uh, especially when on concrete. Concrete has to be tilted a different direction based on architecture, building code. So whenever you have building code and the building's really close to the tees, you have to tilt the tee boxes down away from the building. So what happens? The ball's on a downslope, so it's yep. below your back foot. So you hurt your back over and over and right. over, hitting down, hitting down, hitting down, hitting down, over and over and over again because you're on a downslope. It's already hard enough to hit on the downslope. Making your awareness, like I was saying, and you bringing a drill to the range or bringing a thought even to the range is different than bringing it to the golf course because you have one, ch you have one chance, one action. You only get one action on that on that that one shot on the range. You're like, ooh, another ball, ooh, another ball, ooh, another ball, ooh, piece of candy. <laughs> like that's 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 it's totally different. So people stress out, and when you stress out. It causes your action to be worse. It goes back into a subconscious movement. And when you get into the subconscious movement, you start to regress because you well, start, your stress level starts to go up. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and hear from a sponsor that you're going to need all summer long. And then we'll get you right back to the show. I promise. So sunscreen's a hot topic. I think a lot of us treat sunscreen as an impulse buy. We assume that wherever we go, someone will have it. And we either resort to someone in the group that we're playing with. Oh, do you have any extra or at the pro shop? And a lot of times, guys, these sunscreens that we've been using, whether it's Coppertone Sport or Banana Boat or these brands that don't really put any focus or care into the ingredients that are in them, we're, we're at the mercy of the companies trying to make a buck and the courses that are just trying to buy the cheapest sunscreen they can and get the biggest profit they can. So I am a huge ingredient freak. Everything I, I eat, I try and do organic as well as products that I put on my body. You can laugh if you want, but it's something that's really important to me because I care what I put in and on my body because it in turn impacts the way I feel and the way I perform in my life, not just in golf, but uh, it's super important to me. So this is a really important sponsor because I wouldn't just bring anybody on for this. I genuinely vet uh, probably even more so in this category for something that we spray on our bodies and something that historically has been super detrimental to people's health. I think Coppertone Sport got recalled for this chemical called benzene, which was cancer causing. And there's a lot of crazy shit in sunscreen. Okay. So I have finally found the sunscreen for me and for you guys. I am literally leaving for my bachelor party in about a month here. And I just bought like five SPF 30s, 
three ghost sticks, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, cooling spray, uh, the sun spray they have that you can put on. It's basically like their version of an aloe vera. I, I've got it all. I got the whole group covered with Oars and Alps sunscreen. Okay. So if you get Oars and Alps, I'm telling you, there is nothing like it. Okay. The ghost stick was the two. 2022 PGA show best product winner. It's actually my favorite one because I don't like getting sticky and I want something that I can easily reapply. The ghost stick is clear and it's perfect for having in your bag and just reapplying on your face. Cause I usually get super rosy and red in my cheeks. So that one I love. Um, there's no sunscreen smell. It doesn't drip. It's perfect. The one that most of you are probably going to want is the hydrating antioxidant SPF 50 spray. It was named best sunscreen of 2021 by men's health. Uh, there's less alcohol than traditional sunscreen, which helps combat the drying effect. It doesn't have any of those terrible chemicals I mentioned before. Um, and it's got vitamin C that can help defend your skin, um, from sun damage. And it's non-greasy, fresh scent, goes unclear, et cetera. So go to oarsandalps.com. That's O-A-R-S and alps.com. Enter the code TRAIN, and that'll get you 15% off. And I'm telling you guys, what cool, what better thing to do than hop on the train of good sun care? You know, nobody needs to get burned. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little, uh, I don't have a great tan, and I'm going to Mexico in about a month. And I'm going to be outside the whole time. So I'm going to be loading up on this stuff. I hope you guys do too. Um, stay healthy, stay, stay protected out there. So oarsandalps.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off. All right, let's get back to the show. That's great. And this gets me thinking about the, the classic line that will never go away. I just can't seem to take it from the range to the course. Mm. And Brett McCabe, Dr. Brett McCabe, I think he tweeted over the weekend, we need to stop this. They're two different things. You can't compare them. You're either in, you know, that's really training mode and playing mode. But we're always like, man, I hit it great before I tee it up. And then I, I can't find it. But separating those two is harder than it seems because you get great results and then you get terrible results. But I always say, I always but say it's so important. So what do you mean? I by always that? say making yeah. the same. So play like you do on the range on the course. Look yep. at your target. But people don't want to do like, that because right. they think they think most people think golf is about consistency. It's not. It's not even close. Golf is about being prepared for being consistent. If you're not prepared for anything, like if you just go to work with no clothes on, oh, I'm here every day, but I'm <laughs> naked. It makes no sense. You wake up every day the same consistently, but you don't eat and you won't stay living because you don't eat or drink. Oh, but I do everything the same. That doesn't mean you're going to stay alive. Your game will die if you're not that's prepared. A, that's a great quote. It's about being prepared for consistency. To be consistent. Yeah, playing bagpipes outside my window right now. That's good luck. And I just had a huge spider above <laughs> my head. So I'm really battling the elements right now, but we're going to work <laughs> through it together. Um, Colin, help me understand. I really want to, because I didn't fully understand this. I want to make our listeners. What I see on yeah, I video, you hear it now? It's nice. <laughs> it's nice. What you see on video is not actually what you think because it's a yeah. reaction. It's mm -hmm. not an action. Mm -hmm. So talk about that a little bit deeper. Help me understand that because you said yourself, not everybody gets that. So go into that a little bit more. Yeah. So if you have two hands on the club, okay, 
yeah. one hand, you tend, most people tend to move it very awkwardly, even with one hand, but it should be easier with one hand. Lack thereof is just no leverage or the club might be too long or too short or even too heavy for the person. Once you put two hands on, they're supposed to work together as a team. And a lot of people, what they're doing is using one hand more than the other. So they're turning one hand over further than the other. I mean, we're not playing tennis. We're playing golf. There's no net. There's no like diving ball we need to get it to do. We don't need to turn the face over on purpose. What we need to do is keep our leverage and our resistance, which is hard for people to do. Now, yes, you can turn it over. Yes, you can try and turn it over every single time, which will cause you to hit 75, 85, 91. 73. I, that's what my scores used to be when I was a kid. It'd be either 71 or 85 because I was taught to turn the face over instead of using leverage and using my legs. It's just, there's no right or wrong as a concept. But when you look at a video and you're seeing a tour player do that, you're like, oh, wow, his hands are turning over. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the same thing. However, the tour player is most likely resisting that force and you are making that force happen. Mm. So two entirely different things. You making your hands turn over versus resisting the hands so the hands do turn over on themselves. Because the term throw it, right? I mean, I was taught that as a kid too. And those guys Mm. really do throw it. But what you're saying is, and for our listeners is, is understanding what gets you there to get you in that position. But it's tough, right? Lower body versus upper body, right? That's kind of like the whatever I create resistance or flex in my body to start the swing has to then react, right? So if I'm putting all this tension into my shoulders to start the swing, that's why it's coming over the top because my body has no other possibility. It has to Correct. fire based on what based I engage, on action, right? And then based on your muscle structure, whether or not your muscles can or can't actually do that. That's how I right. know what someone's swing looks like when they're walking up to me, how they shake my hand, what foot do they use? Are they in sequence? Yeah. Are they decent at dancing? Because if you're not <laughs> very good at dancing, one, you don't know where you are, and two, you're not good on your feet. So your golf swing will be just as much of a disaster. And Cermak's yeah, quite a dancer. Maybe that's why he's got so, such a good short game. Okay. Maybe. Good, good feel. No. I mean, Hogan, Jack, Sneed, um, I could go down the list. Even Tiger, we're all good dancers. They all know how to move. My grandfather told me stories about how Hogan was so good at dancing because a lot of people would get him confused with Ben Hogan. They looked, their swings were identical. They looked very similar. They walked very similar. They had the same body type. And the only difference was his eyes were brown and Hogan's eyes were like a bluish color. <laughs> That's literally the only, only difference. People thought he was Ben Hogan. It was kind of funny. Oftentimes, Colin, I mean, how many times do we hear to be a good golfer? You got to have good hand-eye coordination. Do you, yeah. believe, do you believe in that? What do you think about that? No. Uh, so, no. So, blind people play golf. That's kind of enough said there. So when blind people play golf, they have an awareness. Most people with their eyes open don't. They have an awareness of their body. 
their body awakens, they know where they're at, they know what their body is going to do before they do it. That has a lot to do with being that inner self again, knowing where you are a good dancer, good reaction time also has a lot to do with it, your muscle flexion. Um, so I, I told Kyle this, I, I told him to go get, um, to go get, uh, you know, tested and, and everything like that. But it, it's, it's interesting how no one's really able to catch Kyle, but, um, it, it's it, because his muscle twitch fibers are so efficient. He makes the ball go a long way because his action is so efficient. Now, someone that's a bigger guy, that's, that's, let's just say he's seven feet tall. Okay. And he's trying to swing a golf club, but he's like Jack built huge shoulders, huge, huge traps, huge triceps, all brute force. He's not going to be able to do it hmm. because the muscle mass in that body structure wants to go like this, which is a downward action with the triceps and outward action with the chest. Cause he does over and over bench, 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 bench. Well, that's a different action. And a brute force versus what? Golf swing would be what? Right, left, right, left. Changing direction with a fast muscle twitch fiber and smaller muscles that are built up at the time. So these little tiny things that are different for everyone's body and how we're shaped also matches our mindset. Because our mindset will get frustrated because our body can't do it. That's why what I mean is 100%, 100%. You got to be patient too. But if you don't know where your body is, going kind of circling back to what you were saying earlier, if you don't know where your body's at before you make the action, like a movie in your head, what feel is, right? It'll be really hard. If you're so not good on your feet, it'll be really hard. Is, I hear you talk a lot about in, intention. Mm -hmm. Is, I mean, being a good, I mean, having that pre shot routine, having understanding your practice swings what you're trying to do, you know, you know, trajectory shape, like we're all guilty of it often just, Oh, just pra you know, practice swinging just because you're getting loose. And I mean, it's, it's important to, to really feel it before you do it. Mm. Yep. And I mean, how good are you at dancing, Evan? I'm decent. <laughs> decent. Yeah. There's a pause there. As a yeah. <laughs> and, and Matt, how, how good are you at dancing? You know, in its own way, I'm pretty good, you know, <laughs> in my own. <laughs> he does. So his moves is stanky like that's his go to move. <laughs> I mean, I got some grace. It looks easy. I think he has to think a little harder about it, but he's getting married in a few months. So we're really going to see. Yeah, I did, take a, I, I did take, <laughs> a take a lesson. I did take a lesson. dance lessons. I did take a lesson. Yeah. And I got to say, okay, I picked so, up on it pretty quick. <laughs> oh, so uh, it's funny story um, and true story. My, I don't know if anybody knows that are listening to Golf Clan. If you don't, he's awesome content. Um, he just hit 10K, which is, I'm proud of him for doing that. Uh, he, I kind of like help him a little bit with some things, but um, his name's Dougie Barnard. And um, he is super, like, he's like the whitest white dude, like, I've ever met. Super Irish. And um, he, he has trouble with dancing. So I told him, put your clubs away for a whole month. Didn't touch them. And I was like, what I want you to do, his wife does TikTok. So what I want you to do is do TikToks with her for a whole month. And he got hooked on them. Because um, it's just, it's 
that whole like like count followers and stuff it, it can be somewhat addictive um but then he went back to golf and last year he did something he'd never done before well two things he'd never done one he met a hole in one at pete dive french lick which you guys know where that is indiana mm -hmm. a number number eight on the hole number eight which is like 150 away and then he also broke par within that ending of that year wow what was he because he that? uh he had struggled he would struggle he'd go like 75 78 79 76 he'd just be balanced up and above yeah. above par but never got never got back into that never got down enough because he didn't really know where he was but as soon as he as soon as he started moving his feet his hips his body his predictable movements like he became better because he knew what he was going to do before he did it that's what dancing is yeah dancing is is a key element like tango where the part where your partner goes the waltz where your partner is going to go what are you going to do it's reaction time and this it's getting me more excited for my dancing and my wedding. I might need to invest <laughs> more time in this. Yeah. I tell my students to do it and they don't. I know who doesn't, doesn't do it. Yeah. I'm like, this, you're not doing it. Guy... Are you? I don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like going to take dance off. So you're not going to get any better. Because if you don't know where you're at, you might as well just put your clubs in the closet. Because if you don't know where you are, if you don't know what your body is going to do before it does, if you're not good on your feet, and if your feet are very weak, then golf is going. You're going to struggle. Golf is a, this, a big, this is, big, big struggle. I think this is great. I I think about just movements and kind of feeling your body. And I've had a lot of good shots. And I've had a routine when you're just like settling into it. You're totally just. You're kind of just grooving and like you're you're just moving a little bit and like fall into the shot. It's and just. And whether it's being athletic or um just oh, that's why athletes athletes make such good golfers usually it's baseball and hockey other than that basketball not so much football not so much because the pushing involved in football is a pushing forward and the moving in basketball is moving forward even when you're going around a defender your body goes before the ball goes so you go like this which I'm for anyone listening, my hand stays behind me and my body goes in front. So a defender can't take the ball. You're not going to put the ball in front of you and then dribble it. It doesn't work like that. Your body has to move first the direction you're going to dribble the ball. That's the opposite of what golf is. Yeah. Complete opposite. And that's how I can tell. So I've been, um, I've been helping parents kind of identify what their kids should be like, should they be shortstop, first base, outfield, pitcher, catcher, based on what their body can and can't do at the moment until they improve on it. That's why putting your kids in sports is the best parenting you can possibly do. Then having them do an instrument that they like too, giving them a sort sense of rhythm at an early age. Let's, let's talk about baseball for a second because I – think that I was telling myself, and I've heard this from other guests before too, yeah. a false narrative that baseball was getting in the way of my golf swing. Now it is a different, I guess, I think I've heard you call it either a wrist angle or arm angle. Just a grip angle. Or grip, a grip angle. angle. Um, mm. But to give you context, 
uh, baseball was my sport in St. Louis. I mean, it's pretty common, but yeah, uh, yeah. I was, uh, you know, middle infielder, really good defensive player hitter. I was more for average than power right center. I was really great line driving in the right center gap. I'm a righty. So I rarely pulled the ball and I loved like low and outside and I can just go with it and smash it to right. Now you actually said that baseball players make some of the best golfers. So let's, mm-hmm. sm- let's squash this narrative here. If we think it should be that baseball. It should be, yeah. Okay. So I, so I want to give you the floor. Then. Th- there's, there's some identifications of people who throw sidearm versus people who throw overhand because the body is structured differently for sidearm. That's why some people throw sidearms, some people throw overhand easier, and some people absolutely hate overhand because of the way their body's designed based upon their bone structure. And that's why there's, there's really quick people in baseball and really slow people. You got like um, Mo Vaughn, okay? Mo is a bigger guy. First base, he not moving, but he can absolutely just launch the ball, like clean up every single time. Absolutely launch it. Then you got people like um, Nick Swisher, okay, for instance, who I coached, uh, still coach. He has more of a quicker arm. Okay, he's quick. He can get it off, get get it out of the glove, and throw it quick. So it's, it's a different golf swing. It's a different development where the muscles are stronger and what the bone structure is going to do. Everyone does not swing the same because their body is just different. It's how it acts. So a pitcher, pitcher is going to have a lot of muscles. Most of them, if they don't throw sidearm, are going to have a lot of muscle on the, what's called the peroneus longus, which is the outside muscle on the calf, which most people do not have developed. Kyle Berkshire does. Um, who else does? Jamie, Jamie Sadlowski does. Tiger does. Phil does. Um, and that's why he's so obsessed with calves, because I don't know what he's obsessed with now, but um, he's got a whole bunch of things going on that I, I won't share on here. I, I know, but I won't share because who cares about personal life? Um, but the idea is that the muscle strength will guide the hands. Because the feet have to be first. Just like a baseball. When you throw a ball, your feet go first, not your weight. Right. And then people are like, oh, put your weight. You're going to transfer your weight forward before you hit the ball. How do you do that? How do I, <laughs> how do I get in front of me before I throw? It doesn't make so- sense. That's why a lot of long hitters like, like Ken Griffey. Ken Griffey is a decent golfer. Decent. Um, but look at Michael Jordan, never really a good hitter because his feet were weaker and he had a tendency to fall towards the home plate. So that's why his game, he needs to play like 36 holes a day to keep up with it. A lot of good pitchers, good golfers, Smoltz, Maddox, Roger Clemens. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Because they're outside, their their structure of their legs and how they're moving is very similar to hand path. In the golf swing, your feet must make an action first before hand path happens, or you will have a tendency to hurt your back or cast. Okay. So what's, what's the muscle called? The peroneus longest. So when you're giving lessons to 15 handicappers, mm-hmm. how, how are you working on developing that? Muscle? Um, I give them 
exercises to do. I have them also. That's the one thing that you can do is like, if you want to make an exercise and strengthen that muscle, it'll help you with your hand path. Otherwise you'll continue to cast it because mm-hmm. if your feet don't work, no matter what your brain does, if your feet don't do anything, your hands are going to do twice as much. That's action reaction. That's basic Newton's third law. If, if your feet don't do anything, your hands are going to do twice as much. That's what happens when people cast is the feet are lacking thereof. Now, if your hands don't do anything and you get really stiff, you're going to hit it fat because your triceps are going, yeah, <laughs> hit down on the ball, <laughs> hit down, right. yeah, over the top. And that's what, <laughs> that's what people do is they think they should hit down. So along the same lines as, as a, um, as a baseball player, let's kind of reroute back to that. Um, a baseball player swings sideways. Okay. It's not up and down. However, I was terrible at baseball when it came to batting because I had a golf grip. So every time I swung at a ball that wasn't a, a, a sinker, I missed it every time. Why do you think that is? What angle was my hand at? A golf grip angle. You need to grip a bat at 90 degrees. So the strike zone is where? 90 degrees. Yep. If you're gripping it more of 45 to 60 degrees in a golf grip, that's what I did. That's why I couldn't keep my elbow up. That's why it hurt me. So my elbow was down all the time because I had a golf grip. And what would happen? I'd go under the ball every yeah. single time unless it was a sinker and I just got lucky. And that, but then I'd connect and she gone. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I just, I'd look, I'd be like, whoa, I hit that. <clears throat> but I, I, I was terrible at batting because no one ever told me that. Now, now I'm good. Because in baseball, I just make sure my hand is, is gripping it like this. <laughs> not, not like that, but like this, which is 90, if anybody's listening. 90 degrees versus 45 to 60. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Word from a sponsor that you are going to love because I got some fun news and we'll get you right back at the show. Okay. So I've seen the comments, I've seen the chatter and I've lived it. I get it. A lot of people feel like gloves are a commodity and it's an impulse buy and you get whatever you're going to get at the clubhouse. If you have a hole or for whatever reason, your glove is so crusty, you can't even unfold it and put it on. (laughs) Right. I know this is how a lot of people feel about gloves. Well, I thought it was super interesting because my golf spy, one of the top forums in golf, they have 75 million readers. Uh, They do product testing, independent, non-biased product testing. And they looked at 35 plus gloves to test the best performing glove of 2022. And Red Rooster, our partner, uh, started in COVID. So they're only one or two years in, but they were researching and building this product for years prior to that. But they've only been in market not very long. For them to win best performing glove of 2022 over all of the big, all of the big competitors, Footjoy, Callaway, you name it, the Red Rooster, the Cape glove was named the number one best performing glove. It says it has the softest leather and the best grip. It has stretchy, I think it's Lycra in all the right places for optimal fit and flexibility. Soft Cabretta leather comes in cadet sizes, fits in all the right places. The other thing that got another top performing was the Red Rooster Range Rooster, which is so cool because uh, I actually need to get one of these because 
a lot of people I've seen in the comments and on Twitter are saying, you got to have a glove for the range. You got to have a glove for playing. And this is something that I personally am going to start doing now. It's genius. I know a lot of people have been doing this for years. I personally didn't, but it makes so much sense. You have a glove that's a little bit designed for more durability. Uh, so the red rooster range rooster is great for the range. And if all of this doesn't convince you, because look, I get it. You might think whatever gloves, a glove. I think all that matters at the end of the day is that it feels good in your hand. It's soft, it's durable, and you like the look of it. At the end of the day, it's confidence and feel, right? And that you get your money's worth out of it. Well, clearly the My Golf Spy study validated all of that for Red Rooster. Um, and then if you needed a little extra nudge, this is my favorite part about Red Rooster. I've talked about it before, but I'll say it again. They are a company with a mission, okay? I've talked about it. You go to these junior golf events, first tee events, some are done in uh, less fortunate areas. It becomes very clear for the kids that don't have gloves, they know that they are less fortunate than the kids that do have gloves. And it's this form of ownership. It's this form of belonging to the game. And every glove that you buy with Red Rooster gets donated to junior golf program. And they even send you a free kids golf glove so that you can feel what it's like handing a kid their first really good golf glove as they embark on their golf journey. And I just think that is the coolest thing. I know the people over at Red Rooster, it's a family-driven business and they're doing it right, just like Roback does. They're doing it right with a mission and they're giving back and it's making a difference. So just like I like to buy Warby Parker glasses because it gives back, just like people buy Tom's shoes because it gives back, get a golf glove that gives back. Okay, go to redroostergolf.com slash train and you'll get 20% off everything, including the subscription. Okay, the subscription's big. I know you want, probably want to test the glove first, but the subscription is awesome because then it keeps you accountable for getting gloves uh, more regular and making sure you have a, the top performing glove for your game. So redroostergolf.com slash train. It'll get you 20% off everything. You enter the code train and uh, get yourself a glove that elevates your game and also gives back to the community. I love it. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. But that goes along with what something you said, Colin, where you said any tip goes with the grip, meaning you can't look at something online and say, Oh, I like that tip. Let me try it. But yep, let me make sure I understood it. You're saying you should only try that tip if the grip matches your grip. Otherwise yeah. it won't work. Correct. You won't work because the 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 pressures that you're trying to put into the shaft don't match. They just don't. And that's alone if your clubs are the right swing weight, they're the right length for you, they're the right lie angle. And a lot of that's kind of lost in marketing and people just want to sell and do whatever they want to do and they think it's okay. But it happens in any business, car business. And they sell a car to someone that doesn't need that car. And that's what happens. It's okay. It's normal. No one's, no one can be perfect. It's just not attainable. So as, as a realm of whether it's a baseball player, we can go as far as soccer, soccer, usually people that play soccer their whole life, their feet are more turned inward because they look for speed. Now if the feet are more straighter and their feet don't like, go inward as much they move more of a defender now that if you go like this and they go from more proning to go inside or pronation like me goalie 
because I'm side to side. In one year, I let two goals in. Two. Not bad. <laughs> I, I was that quick. One of them was a slide tackle, so I technically doesn't count. One goal. But one. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I still counted as two because they scored it. So <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> well, Colin, I love talking about the grip. I mean, my coach as a kid said, you know, it's the foundation of your golf swing, right? We yeah. always need, we always need to go back to the grip. Um, and I always grip grip stance and alignment was kind of always the three. Mm-hmm. I still don't feel like, you know, high handicappers, middle handicappers really even care to work on those things that much until they're told. How do you, how do you work on them? Because, you know, I played yesterday, you know, and I was light years. Than I was a week ago because I neutralized my grip. My, sh- my shoulders were really closed mm-hmm. and I just, I just started get. I went neutral and started feeling open, and the big miss, was, you know, was gone for that round. How but tall are you? Five eight. Okay. Yeah. Good. You're not but, a tree. But I got people lost. People that are really the, tall yeah. have really have time. Tough time. Yeah, I got lost in the world of, you yeah. know, when I was a kid in high school, like the perfect looking swing and the takeaway and the backswing and all that stuff when. You know, it's it's easy to lose sight of the fundamentals. So I'm curious how you work with your players, or what our listeners should take away when it comes to grip, stance, alignment. Yeah, everyone's different, and people hate when I say that. But there's some people who are very much built the same, which is kind of cool. It's an anomaly, but everyone else, they're just different. Different bone lengths. Um, even some people have more muscle in the inner forearm than the upper forearm. When that happens, they're going to cast it. They're going to, they're going to flip inward because their hands are doing this instead of staying in flexion. They go, sorry, it's staying extension. They go into flexion when they hit the golf ball. So the toe goes down. It's tough because their body's so tight up here. When your body gets really tight in the shoulders, it's going to go to the trap and then it's going to go to the inner forearm and it's going to do this. That's where a lot of bodybuilders have a lot of strength because they do this, which is a dangerous exercise. You don't want to do that to your ligaments but underneath your under forearm. Just, the ligaments yeah. aren't meant for that. They're not. They're meant for extension, not right. putting a lot of pressure in, in, in here. It's a very, it's a very fragile. This is carpal tunnel, all kinds of things in that area. Not fun. But the grip is very important because... Say, for instance, you have a baseball player and he, he holds it like a baseball bat, which is 90 degrees like this. There is no way in hell he's going to square the face up perfectly every time. Right. Because if he tries to swing down, the face will flip over quick. However, if you readjust the angle to gripping the club with the sides of your hands, the sides of your hands, not this way, this way. If you try this, so if you grip anyone listening, go, go pinky to thumb. Okay. Just squeeze your pinky with your thumb. And now go, now now release that. Now go middle finger to your palm. You're using completely different muscles when you do that. Yeah. Completely. And that will change the grip angle itself. That will change the pressure. That will change a lot of things. So the grip is very specific and how you're using leverage and going right to left versus squeezing it like a baseball bat and swinging up and down like an axe. A lot of people do that. That would be more of an over-the-top 
Well, and it's and that gets back to grip pressure too, right? Yep. We're all guilty of gripping the club too tight. So well, I grip the hell out of it, but I'm not squeezing it. I'm locking because my forearms know how to do that. Right. I can lock my fingers like this and not move them. I know how to. I know how to do that. That's so they don't move. What point about locking versus squeezing? Well, Kyle Berkshire and I had a, literally an hour conversation about this. And we are both just like, yeah, I mean, I gripped the hell out of it because I'm gripping it. I'm swinging so hard, but I'm keeping my hands really, really supple just in a locked position so I can move and use my forearm and I can use my bicep. But if you're squeezing, you can't use your bicep and your tricep at the same time. Mm. Try it. Interesting. Yeah. Try and use your bicep and your tricep at the same time. You can't do it. Yeah. You can't move. Yeah. So it's so funny. Con, I want to dig in on because I feel like I need to bring everybody back because we just talked about a ton of different things in different areas. And thinking about the mental game when you're playing and also working on your swing. Because for most people, that's the case. Whether you're going to lessons with Colin or you're working on stuff on yourself, you're, you're kind of always, I think most golfers are probably working on something. And I think the tough balance is how do I get to the course, have my executional key, that's important, but how do I not overdo it, but instead focus on what I'm trying to execute with full commitment, meaning the shot at hand, um, okay. a non-technical um, thought with tempo. Like how do, how do you help your students balance taking new movement to the course without playing golf swing. If you're not hitting all the shots you want on the range, don't bother going on the course. Nick Faldo did that. So Nick didn't go on to the course until he could hit every shot he wanted on the range. Every shot on command. He didn't go to the course at all. So what I have my students do is start with a chip, get in the realm, then start doing leapfrog. This is how I like having them warm up too, is they play leapfrog. They try to, they chip a ball that goes like five feet because it's still a chip. The ball spins. People have a really hard time doing that, chipping a ball and getting it to spin because they're using the whole club instead of the club head and stopping it, making energy happen. So I have them chip it. Then I have them try to hit the ball that they just chipped into the air. Where is that going to land? That's going to land to the next spot. And then you try and hit that ball in the air. And then you try and hit that ball in the air. That's cool. And eventually you start to get the idea of what your feet and your hands are doing as a collective. Just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Bigger, 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 bigger. And then you start over. Do it with a forearm. 20 yards, 30, 40, 50. That's what Tiger did. Tiger would take his eight iron. He'd hit it, he'd hit it at 150. Then he hit it at 90. Then he hit it to 120. He'd pick different flags. That's what I used to do when I, when I, when I played when I was years ago. Um, it, it was just, it was so convenient because you knew exactly what swing you wanted at what yardage. Everyone's like, oh, I need an eight iron here. Like, why do you, you don't need an eight iron. You could hit a seven iron, a half of a seven iron, or uh, even less with a six iron. You could punch a four iron. You could hit a super hard pitching wedge, but they don't know how to do that because they think what being consistent 
is what's going to help them score. And they're not the greatest dancers. They don't know how to use their body. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, that could also be true. But that yeah. goes into your trick shots, though, Colin, because I was going to ask that, too, of like your creativity. I told Serm, I think we did an episode uh, six months or so ago about how I've said before that practice is not about perfect practice is about mm-hmm. comfort. So back when I was struggling a lot more than I am now with my driver and I'm hitting four irons from the trees all day, I realized I'm having that shot a lot and I'm not very comfortable with it. Let's get more comfortable with it. So I just did a whole range session of punching different long irons and even mid irons uh, and understanding how to do it, understanding the flights, how hard I swing, how light I swing, how far I take it back. And then the next time I played, I shot, I think a 78, uh, and I'm a six. So pretty good for me. And, uh, yeah. and, and it was always, just I, from being a little bit more comfortable with hitting punch shots. And it really freed me up. Cause I felt like I was playing with creativity and a shot that used to carry a lot of burden from being in the trees. Now was a fun opportunity. And I totally changed my experience. That's why I like sometimes just hitting in the woods on purpose. <laughs> Cause then I, then I kind of like, okay. How do I, how can I figure this out? When I was a kid, I'd go, I'd take my, I'd take a really crappy, like beat up. I have a Cleveland, um, a Cleveland nine iron and a seven iron. So I take like a, I wouldn't think it was a tour action, what they were called, tour actions. I was back in the day. Um, um, I would take those and I just go in the woods and play golf. In the yeah. woods. No, like you'd be having some trail. It's like an ATV trail. Like maybe if, few feet wide you got to hit it down that path and that's what made me learn how to shape shots that's what made me learn how to hit it low how to hit it high because well one my body is more comfortable doing it because the way i'm designed i'm weird um same thing with like bubba and tiger and and nelly that's why they're there because their body's designed in a figurative manner to create symmetry anyway um the whole idea is to make patient practice with progress. Because if you're not patient with yourself, then you're not going to progress. People get frustrated and they just, that's the whole thing is patient practice creates progress. And that's something that a lot of people aren't prepared to even do. Right. They, they don't, they don't want to be patient. They want it right now. They want that, like even businessmen, Businessmen have a tendency to have weaker feet because they're at a desk. They're getting information. They're throwing it in their head. Then they're putting it on, on a screen. So they usually have tighter, weaker feet. So when they try and go and practice, eh, hit my pitching with 100 yards. My seven iron is going to go maybe 150. And my driver maybe go 220 to 250. That's normal for someone that has weaker feet. It's normal. And that's the scary part. It's people like, I want to hit it 300 yards. I was like, well, your body can't do that without you hurting yourself. It's, uh, yeah. Well, I love what you guys, you guys are talking about in the trees. I mean, Colin, my best shots in the trees are, all, are done with my hands. So it, it's, it, I don't care. I don't care about my technical thoughts. I just got to find a way to move it and shape it and to get it out of here. And it's amazing mm-hmm. that your mind, your mind frees up. But when we're over the tee and we want to, you know, hit a long, you know, you know, hit a high straight shot, 
we don't seem to have that creativity. Because there's too many options. There's too many options. You could hit a draw, you could have hit, you gotta like like Evan, right. you were saying commitment. Commitment is everything to the shot. Are you prepared? Like I was saying before, are you prepared? Do you have the commitment? Or are you like, I think I know how to hit the shot. And then you try it and the outcome is not confident. Then your nervous system goes, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do not what you want. And then your, your, your nostalgic and subconscious actions come out and you regress. And then you fall off the train, so to speak. <laughs> and, and that's, it happens to a lot of people. And then it could even be that the ball was above your feet. You hit it fat and forgot to choke down on the club. Then their whole round is a master disaster because what? Because they thought they hit it fat because their swing was bad. But the only thing that they needed to do on that one golf swing was choke down. Right. And that would have gotten over the, that would have got it over the water, maybe or into the, the exactly. The and then Great. the whole swing mentally in their head just ruins it for like five, six holes done. And that's usually why people have blow up holes because again, they're not prepared. They don't see what they're trying to do. Bunkers. I had a, a 20 minute conversation with one of my students about bunkers. 20 minutes is all it took to fix the bunkers. And they usually can fix it one minute by explaining this very simply. If the bunker sand is soft, dig your feet down to the platform. Okay. You are allowed to just don't pick your feet up and put the sand back in. Cause that's you're building a stance. Then that's a penalty. So just be careful doing that. So dig your feet in the sand. Now you're below the ball. So what do you got to do? Choke down. Most people forget to choke down. Then it's the same exact golf swing as it, whether in the fairway or whether it's in a, a grass or bunker. Just make sure the club in your hand gets over the lip by angle. That's it. It's the same golf swing. There's no difference. Oh, knock your knees together. Don't use your feet. Oh, you got to make perfect contact with the golf ball. Hit the ball, golf ball clean. You can't make yourself do any of those things during your swing because you're using a different muscle than what you should. So if you choke down, you sink your feet in, say you sink your feet in like a couple inches, you choke down a couple inches. It's, just, it's the same golf swing as if you're on grass. Yeah. So we've <laughs> the, said, um, Colin, hmm. sorry, continue. No, it's just the only, I was going to say the only thing that's, that's different is grass is solid. Sand is not. Right. That's why it feels like you're in a trap because your feet are like not balanced because the sand is almost the equivalent of air. It's almost the same equivalent. But if it's like mud, then your feet are more solid. If it's grass, you sink all the way to the, to the ground anyway. Yeah. I love the simple well, bunker all, tips. Well, wow. we've said uh, that 2022 is the year of the short game um, mm -hmm. because I realized even in my game, I was making the same mistake for 15 plus years that a lot of people make, which is this false belief that, I need to get my swing good and then I'll start dedicating time to my short game. People kind of use the same mentality with the mental game too. Um, but we've committed, a lot of people have committed with us. I've committed 50% of my time that I go to the range. I go to the short game area. Um, and you said patience leads to progress. 
But I want to ask you, when it comes to chipping and putting with your students, how do you define progress? And how do you, what do you give people? Obviously, everyone's different, but something more general for our listeners, like how would you start someone if they never work on their short game? What's a great way to start? Explore all your clubs and explore. Because, I mean, I'll give uh, all my students, I'll give them an algorithm and just be like, okay, four iron, you can carry 10% of the way. It should end up at the hole. Pitching edge, you carry half halfway, it'll end up at the hole. And a 60 degree, you can, you'll, a 60 degree, you can only chip five, six paces anyway for it to even be considered a chip because a chip stays below your waist. Like when you're like 40 yards away, someone's like, good chip. I don't say anything, but that's, I'm not, cause I'm not that guy, but that's not a chip <laughs> at all. Yeah. A chip has more roll than it is in the air. <laughs> and that's what a chip is. So if you're, if you have a four iron, it's 10%. If you have a 60 degree, it's about roughly two thirds, a little less, it's like 64% of the way. If you do that every single time, you'll end up at the hole fetching wedge halfway because I've done the math. I know how to make that calculation based on spin rate. Like no matter what you do now, if you thin it or you fat it or you're chipping and your, your tempo is off and you're finishing way too long, then that ratio won't work either. Cause the spin isn't efficient. It's like a putt chip, a putt chip, the ball kind of like with a putt chip, you don't, spin it as much because you're not using the club head using the whole club so that's why people can't chip with a forearm because they're like what the heck i beat all my my juniors <laughs> so i'll do like this i used to do this thing where they'd use any club they wanted and i'd use my forearm and still beat them and they're ball, like what the heck getting that ball on the ground real quick you know <laughs> Well, the other thing, Colin, right. that I found helpful with that, because <laughs> some to some people they hear that it becomes overwhelming. You know the, that that point about not being patient with practice. Oh, I got to learn how to use all my mm-hmm. clubs. But I'll say this: like to me, making the same motion with different clubs and using the strength of the loft to carry the ball, the club to do the work, and lowering my uh, room for error has been huge. For my game around the greens, even if it's not every club, even if it's pitching wedge to 60 and I just learned to use my 56, uh, 52 and my pitching wedge. And those are my core four. Like that's kind of transformed my feel. Try to use your eight iron. Try to use your eight iron. Carry it. uh, 21%. I'd have to look at it. I'm not going to leave this screen. Um, But the whole idea is. You want to use the club the way it's designed, not try to make the club do something it's not supposed to. Like take a 60 and de-loft it. You're going to hit it fat. Why would you ever do that? Choke down on your club. That doesn't help you. If you choke, it's like me throwing a ball like this. (laughs) He's got his arm. Absolutely no different. Yeah. He's got no chance. Because I choke down on my arm. (laughs) Why would I ever choke down on the club? Like, oh, well, it makes it easier to control. It's like, no, it, it doesn't. Because it no longer fits you. Now, if you open the face and choke down, that's different. Because if you open the face, it makes the club longer. If you shut the face, it makes it shorter. Mm. So that's why all these little tiny details are really important about what club, what the clubs do. That's why hitting those slinging shots are so much fun because I know how to, and my feet yeah. are stronger. Well, 
Colin, this is a great way to kind of, as we're getting close to time here, wrap up because you talk about, I love what you said about turn your practice into playing, right? So when you're in a short short game, you know, work on all these shots, work on all these clubs. When you're out of the course, you're supposed to have options, right? And you're you're preparing to be more comfortable with those options. Sitting around a chipping green, that's great you're doing it with a bucket of balls and a 15-yard chip in the fairway to a front pin over and over and over again with your 58. Doesn't do anything. Oh, it makes you feel good, you know, because you hit a bunch to five feet. It's just not real. It's not, not real exactly. because... Exactly, it's not real. The range yeah. is not real golf unless you make it just like it. Use your imagination. If you're like, it's not the same, I was like, yes, it is the same. You just have a flat life. Put your ball in a divot. Right. Get it out of the divot. That's what's going to happen Most- when you're out there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I always tell my students, and this is something it, hey, we can know? leave off on this or, or keep talking. I don't, I don't mind because yeah. I, I have, I don't have a lesson until three o'clock. But my point here is, you are always, and I say this to all my students, especially my players, is you are always going to be practicing shots that you don't think you're going to have because you're going to have them. Every yeah. shot that you can possibly imagine, you can't possibly imagine. Because you're going to end up somewhere you just don't know what you're doing. That's why I was the kid who was on the side of the range, stomping on balls, hitting it out of the tall grass, standing next to a tree, trying to hit. I always looked like the idiot, but the idiot scored really well because guess what? I know how to hit all those shots, so my anxiety goes down. I know how to hit all my chip shots, so my anxiety goes down. I don't care if I miss the fairway. I don't care if I miss the green because I know every single shot how to do each one. It, the, the anxiety goes down. That's why I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't care. And two things happen, right, Colin? You're either prepared for the shot that you practice that's a, a tough shot on the course, or you get a flat lie, and guess what? Your practice was harder than, the, than your round, and you feel yeah, even more I just, confident then. I, I just, whenever I hit like a... Uh, <laughs> A shot in the fair, I just literally walk up and hit it like Happy Gilmore, not even doing anything. With my students, I just, I hit it. I'm not even like, I hit it near the green. Like, let's go. Okay, so what do we want to do with your shot? I don't care about me. I care about, because I'm not getting paid to hit a good shot. And they're not paying me to entertain them. That's not, that's not why I'm with them. I'm with them for them, not for me. I'm not a selfish, oh, let's work on my game. Oh, let's, I want to score really well to impress them. That's not what I'm about. If they want to be impressed by my score, that's their fault because that's not something that they're paying me for. I'm not an entertainment. I'm, I'm there for education. I'm an educator. I want to make sure that people know I am more an educator than an entertainer. And, and it, it, it's, it's important that they know that they're just as valuable as me and they don't think they are. They, they hire me and just want to see, watch, watch me hit balls. Just want to hang out. I'm like, dude, you can do what I'm doing. It's highly conceivable. may not be every time because your body isn't as strong in the right areas as mine is because I've been doing it for 34 years. But my, my point is you, you're, you're far more capable than you think you know. And I say that all the time. That's something I will always say forever. And I, when I was younger, I never thought I was capable. I don't, I'm never going to be able to hit tour shots. I'm never going to be able to do this. I can hit any shot I want now with my eyes closed. It, yeah. It's, it's, 
because my action and my clarity is just so clear. I, I don't have any anxiety on the course, no matter what shot I stand over zero anxiety, zero stress, mm. no matter how many people are around me, zero stress. Cause I know exactly, exactly with, even with math, I know what to do. My action, everything. It's just so clear. If you don't have clarity of your understanding, you don't have any wisdom. So I gold people rarely make mistakes because they, they damn well know better. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's so cool. Once you have clarity, then you want to share it. Yeah. I don't even yeah. like, I, I want to, I want to help people. I, I don't like, I love being an entertainer, but I'd rather, I'd rather teach millions than, than hit balls in front of millions. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's funny, Colin, that's perfect because I had the last thing I had written down for us today is you are more capable than you think, you know, uh, which you just said, which is funny, but I think, let me end on this Colin, because that's really personal to me. And I had, I've talked about him a few times. Um, Matt Picanso, who's on the corn ferry, who I've met at this event at Pinehurst. And what he said to me really struck me because he started, he's this like mini tour legend. He started playing really late and he was a great baseball, baseball player like me. And I think so many people, because of the way golf is, when you start, no one really starts good at the game. We have to learn how to hit it. Well, besides um, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. uh, <laughs> I think you can go from being a really good athlete and, and start with a ton of embarrassment and shame and all of this anxiety oh, yeah, right so uh, and it makes you question something. your ability but yeah, i've started yeah. to remember that i'm a really good athlete which makes reminds me that i'm more capable than i think i am in this game which has started to really empower me and help me but go ahead i want to let you finish and then we'll get you out of here so definitely had a 14 on a par four once when i was <laughs> in high school um lack of course knowledge um, I mean, and then I was 16, 16, I was carrying it 340. Um, so I was like just driving greens and stuff, um, for where we were teeing off from and all the coaches were pissed off because they tell, they <laughs> said that I needed to go back and tee and I was like, no, nah, y'all can suck it. <laughs> I didn't say that, but, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, the second hole, I think it was in Vermont somewhere, some like, like weird golf course. When I didn't know that right behind the back of the green, there's OB. So I, mm. I drive the green, get up there, hits the green, rolls down the back and goes out of bounds. I was like, okay, fine. I'll hit a four iron, hit a four iron, get up there, had no idea that there was out of bounds. Just barely. Like this hole is like, mm, like just really narrow. So you got to like seven iron, seven iron um, with no confidence. But so I had to go back to tee again. And at that point, I was pissed. I was like, okay, because I, I didn't, I, I was already, I was already two in, you know, it, it was so bad. So then I, I, I proceeded to hit a seven iron and then I chunked my next shot. And I think I like three or four putt. It was terrible. 
because I lost, I totally lost my shit. I lost, I lost it on that hole. And then two holes later, I went, you know, I went, you know, calm down and everything, but it was just only because I wasn't prepared for the hole. I wasn't prepared. That's it. If you're not prepared for the shot you're about to hit, you don't know the hole. If you don't know your swing, if you don't know what your body is, if you don't know your clubs are the right for you, which that's a whole different story about marketing and, uh, um, but the 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 realm of your path, the where which your game wants to go, that's up to you, on based on education, based on logic, or you can just believe in what tour players feel or what their swing looks like, you know, like be consistent. And and that's, I love that example. That's tough. Of, you know, of your experience. Well, let's just, yeah. Cause it makes everyone feel better. (laughs) Well, I made a, I made a 15 on a hole when I was, I was eight, but I just couldn't get my three iron from the the rough over the Creek. And I kept trying to do it. (laughs) Ten cup. That's that's a 10 cup moment for you. That's like, I don't care about, I don't give a damn about anything right now. I want to, you, you, but that's, that's personality. That's someone that's like, I don't give up no matter what score I hit. And that was an awesome 15 because did you get it over the water? Yeah, I did. Well, eventually. So who cares? (laughs) Right. Who cares? Because got your three iron over the water and you don't care about anything else. So you accomplish your goal. Who cares that you made a 15? Right. But people, they'll judge you based upon the 15 and not based upon that one shot that you hit, which is basically a driving range. Totally. Well, we should remind everyone that my work with Jake started with me going to urban golf performance, getting on a track van and sending him my numbers and my, my video. And so a big takeaway, this kind of plays off of last week's show, sir, where, like you got to put in the work to at least understand what you do and if you don't know what you do find someone that can help you understand what you do colin's a great example of that i don't do anything by myself i have a team like i i have i have i've had friends that help me through college because i suck with grades i've had i've had friends that help me study i've had friends that help me but i figured out most of the stuff and i don't put i I don't i don't wish that on anybody to figure out all this out I got so mad when I lost 40 yards on my drives. I got so upset with a company. I won't mention their name because it's not fair to them. But I I got so upset. They sent me the newer driver of the same model. And I lost 40 yards, 4-0. Because they don't understand how to build a club the same way as it was built. Because they don't have the time. They don't have the time. It's scary stuff. That's when I started to figure out, okay, so it is trigonometry. It is geometry. It is physics. It's not hand-eye coordination. It's not this magical thing. Some gifts some people have and some people don't. It's based on what the body does. It's based on how the club is built. I have a 100% success rate and fitting people and have them hitting the club and going, holy shit, a hundred percent success rate because the club usually doesn't fit the person. Now, if they're not as coordinated, if they're not good at dancing, uh, then 
it starts to get into the realm of you need to do something outside of golf to help you know where you are. It's not, it's not on the coach because I have coaches and mentors that have the same issue with, with their students as well. They, there's nothing we can do to help you know where you are all the time. I'm not going to be there to snap the bandaid every time you do something. Right. Right. You know, a snap, sorry, snap the rubber band bandaid. Right. The rubber band on your wrist. Cause I, I, there's nothing I can do. No, no drill, no drill on the planet will help you know where you are internally. Yep. Yeah. That's something that's a very intrinsic muscular, very intrinsic exercise that you can do very intrinsic, even orthotics for your feet, which I can help with to help people like, okay, you need orthotics, you need different yeah. shoes. I've studied all that. So I know when someone walks up to me, okay, uh, they're going to be coming over the top and then this, this, and this, they cast a little bit. Um, and oh, hell, sometimes I'm wrong. I like that though. Yeah. But usually, usually I'm right when they come up to me. I like being wrong because then I learn more. I love yeah. saying I don't know. I hate people hate that, but I seriously don't know. I'm not going to be like, oh, this is what this is. You know, I, I, I'm always right. <laughs> right. That's, that's not me. That's not how I coach. Yeah. Well, instead of everybody trying to become a scratch or shoot a score or become a handicap, maybe just try and learn more and become, mm -hmm. understand why you do what you do. So Colin, thank mm -hmm. you so much for hopping aboard at Colin McCarthy golf on Instagram. Always a great follow. I love the little sling and cuts and draws everywhere. Um, Colin.golf is your website to book a lesson, learn more about your methodology, anywhere else you want or to send link people. In, uh, or link in my bio and, and Instagram. I might start YouTube. It's just, it's so hard because everyone's so different. If I start doing stuff, I might do some things on mental, but I mean, nobody wants to sit there and just watch me talk. So I think it's, I think it's important that, you know, the way I play and the way I, I do things, whether it's a golf swing, which is kind of janky because my body's a dumpster fire. Um, cause all the injuries and surgeries I've had people are like, Oh, he teaches that swing. I'm like, mm, I never said that once. <laughs> <laughs> so Whenever you watch my swing, whatever platform that you see me on, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Instagram, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Facebook, any of those, I don't teach the swing I used. I teach it based upon your golf body type. Yep. That's great. It's a way to be. Well, if you're ever out in California, in Los Angeles, let me know. We could play and put that on YouTube. Yeah. Mac, yeah, dude. Or, or Chicago. Or Chicago. Or Chicago. Or if you Sweet. guys are having in Atlanta, let me know. Will do. Deal. Well, thank you, Colin. We appreciate it. We'll uh, yeah, awesome. thank you. take care and we'll be uh, following along as always. But oh, this was great. Sounds great. See you, Jens. See ya. See ya.